remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. Oh my God, I trust in Thee. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Number 670. After this song, we'll have our opening prayer. Number 670. <clears throat> I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford.
Oh God, thank us for thank you for letting us come back together again. Thank David for bringing us a message again for this evening, and bless him to keep continuing doing so. Care for those that cannot be here. Care for those that have lost people, lost loved ones. Care for those that are just out in the world. Also, um, bless Archie when he brings us the messages too. He is a good teacher. Care for those that <clears throat> cannot be here. And bless all those that are here among us. Amen. Number 287. <clears throat> Number 287. Each step I take, my Savior goes before me. And with his loving hand, he leads the way. And with each breath, I whisper, I adore thee. Oh, a joy to walk with him each day. Each step I take, I know that he just leads me closer home. At times I feel my faith begin to waver. When up ahead I see a chasm wide, it's then I turn and look up to my Savior. I am strong when He is by my side. Each step I take, I know that He will guide me to step I take just leads me closer home. I trust in God no matter come what may for life eternal 
is in his hand. He holds the key that opens up the way that will lead me to the promised land. Each step I take, I know that he will guide me to I take just leads me closer home. <clears throat> this time, mark the song of invitations number 925. <clears throat> Again, that number is 925. <clears throat> Psalm before the lesson this evening will be number 268. 268. <clears throat> All the way. My Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I trow His tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, by faith in Him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. For I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth
riches, Jesus, lend me all the The song sort of sums up what we need to be considering in our life each day that we live. All the way our Savior leads us, regardless of how it appears to us, we need to have that understanding that He is the one that does the leading. We need to do the following. We've had a request for a special prayer this evening. we talked to Ann Olson just recently, and Jimmy's not doing too well. Not able to get up and move about. He's uh, hard to move about and spends a lot of time sleeping. So they're concerned about Jim Olson. And so we want to take a little bit of time here and have a special prayer for the Olsons. Would you bow with me? Our gracious and our loving Father, we thank you that you have allowed us to be called your children allowed us to have the privilege of accessing you at any time, to be able to lay our request before you, to know that you hear and that you answer those in accordance with your will. Very mindful at this time of Jimmy and Ann Olson. We would pray that you continue to be with them as they struggle through some health issues. Grateful to know again that we have that privilege to approach you, to know that your will is being worked out. Ours is to have the confidence, the conviction, and the understanding of your love for us, of your work in your will out, and of our need to surrender to you. We're grateful for their lives. We're grateful for the influence that they've set, the good that they've done in your kingdom, Father. We would pray that we'd be mindful of others as well, that we may be aware of or not, that you'd watch over them as well. We're so grateful to to know that at any time we can approach you, at any time we can lay our quest before you, to know that you hear and again that you answer them as you know what is best. Thank you for the blood of Jesus being shed for our sins. Thank you for the hope that we have of eternal life with you you one day. Continue to watch over us through this hour and, and our daily lives, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 12, the question is asked, what do you have that you have not received? And if you received it, why do you act like you have not? So what do you have that you have not received? You've received physical life. You received spiritual life. You received blessings from God the sins of rain on the just and on the unjust. You receive the blessings that he gives to the children, to his children. So why do we act like we have not received that? That we've earned it or that we deserve it or whatever else the case may be. Saying that in light of the life we live, what's mentioned in the scriptures, the fact that there's trials, there's tribulations, there's persecutions, 
There's hardships, there's death to those who would claim the name of Christ. And we wonder all about the why. Why is that happening? Without, again, going back to the song we've just sung. All the way my Savior leads me. I'm following Him. The way that He leads really does not matter. We like to think that it does in our own mind, but the way He leads really does not matter. Where He goes or where He leads us in going is not the issue. The point is, do we trust Him each step we take? That He brings us closer home. Whatever that step is, whatever consequence comes as a result of that step, is our faith in God to believe that He's leading and that He watches over His children. And what we see or perceive as being bad or harmful, difficult to understand, God has His reason. And God has his purpose. And ours, again, is to trust him as we walk day by day. We talk, we sing about, I need thee every hour. But do we let him help every hour? We say we need him, but then we set about oftentimes to do it our own way. We always like to run ahead. We are like children are at times and statements I heard from my parents, I, my children probably heard it as well. You do not understand it now, but one day you will. You do not understand the why now, but one day you will. A lot of what happens is simply a reminder to us of the, the brevity of this life, the uncertainty of this life, and everything that we cherish now can vanish in a flash. And what we cherish today will have a different perspective in eternity. Paul, in writing to the Romans in the 12th chapter, in verses 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed to the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Give your body, your life, as a living sacrifice to God. I'm His. Pure and simple, I'm His. Whatever He desires to do, I'm His. Wherever He desires to lead, I'm His. I want to be the living sacrifice that will find out what that will of God is. And to find out that it is good and it is perfect. And it brings the peace that the world cannot ever find or will ever be able to achieve outside of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at life and the trials we face, again, those songs are to, to help us along the way, to encourage us, 
to know that all the way my Savior leads me, every step I take, He's there. And I need to trust Him. It's hard in times. I was talking about it, several individuals just recently about the, the driving in the Metroplex, if you will, or wherever else you may go. And we were talking about different things, and part of the, the part of the conversation was, do you realize what is happening when you're driving? You have about 10 square inches of rubber on the road. And that's it. <laughs> and it can change in a flash. And you've heard me mention before that I've encountered an individual that I was talking with, counseling with, who was literally fighting demons. And I see him going down the road, and I met him coming a time or two down the road, swinging his fist while he's driving his car, fighting those demons off. Do you really want to know what the mindset of a people is? What's going through their minds as they're traveling? How many accidents take place because somebody took their eye off the road for just a second? Just had to look at something and then found themselves in an accident. How quickly life can change. Do we understand that brevity? Understand it to the point that, again, we want to do the Father's will. Paul, as he's writing to the Philippians in that fourth chapter, verses 10 through 20, has a lot of things to say about life and the way that we live things. Has a lot to say about Paul as an apostle, the, how he viewed some things. Now things are going on in his life. And we remind ourselves, even as an apostle of Jesus Christ, he is a human being. And there are some lessons that he would learn along the way. And one of those key words in that passage, as you read through it again, would be that I've learned. And usually human beings, as we learn, it's the hard way that we learn. We go through it, then we learn. That's not the best way to do things. And it does not mean that it was bad. It just means we found there's another way of doing things. And we need that in our life. Everything that happens is for a reason and for a purpose. Again, the guiding us through this life, reminding us physically and then reminding us spiritually. Everything we have, everything we cherish here is going to change one day. All the physical elements are going to be gone. All the earthly relationships are going to be gone. And we will have that spiritual relationship with God in heaven. And when we're there, all of this, I do not believe, will enter into the picture. But it's simply our getting from here to there in a way that would be pleasing to God. Paul rejoiced in the Lord greatly for those Philippians. Spend some time looking at the church at Philippi. Catch a little bit of a glimpse of what was going on when Paul came to Philippi. The, the way he was treated and received. Spend a little bit of time reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. As Paul talks about the churches in Macedonia where Philippi was located. 
and talked about how they had a love for God and that they had a desire of wanting to give beyond really what they were able to give because they had a love for God. They were willing to sacrifice as we would use the term. And part of that is what I'm trying to get us to look at at least a little bit this evening, this word sacrifice. What am I sacrificing? Everything I have has been given to me. So what am I sacrificing? I'm simply returning back to what God has given. And I understand that he gives much more generously than we do. I just look around at life. I look around spiritually at the spiritual family he's given to me. He has blessed abundantly beyond all my comprehension. So what do I consider as a sacrifice? The Macedonians heard of a need of poor saints. And they desired to give beyond their means. So much so that they begged that they would not be deprived of that privilege of giving. Wow. The reason why, found in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 8, they first gave themselves to the Lord. When you've given yourself to the Lord, everything else just follows along. It just goes right along with it. It's not a problem. Of helping where we can help, encouraging where we can encourage. It just follows along because we've first given ourselves to the Lord. Lord, I'm only here for a short period of time. Regardless of how long that is, it's uh, still a short period of time. And all that I have, I've been entrusted with. And I pray that I've entrusted my soul to your care. So that one day the eternal reward can be given. The temple ones down here fade in time. Talked about it before in my office, the other office at the house, not the office here. I've got several sheepskins, diplomas from a great aunt of mine, I believe it is, from the University of Michigan. But it's on sheepskin. I don't know how old it is. I forgot. Can't think off the top of my head how old that thing is. But I'm telling you that sheepskin is just as pliable today as it was probably when it was given. You can unroll it. You can look at it and, and roll it back up. Not brittle at all. She is long, long gone. So what does that mean? Value to her, but value to no one else. Am I learning to separate myself from what I have? It's a struggle. You just walk in that office, you can tell I've got a struggle. Because that's only half of them. The other half is at the other office at the house upstairs. But I'm simply saying, do we understand? All that's going to be gone. I understand that. So I've learned to detach myself from a lot of that at times. I, I still appreciate them. They're of help and value. But I'm simply saying, physically, everything else, family, relationships, do we understand that? In heaven, they neither marry or given in marriage. 
Marriage is not there. That's why we talked about if you love the earthly relationship more than you love God and his relationship with him, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. If you love mother or father, wife, children more than me, you cannot be my disciple. If you do not love me more than your own life, you cannot be my disciple, Jesus said. So it's that, that separation. We learn about it. We struggle with it through our life. He was grateful for the Philippians having the opportunity to help him again. Uh, at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you were, you were wanting to do his will. But you lack the opportunity. Which also says another thing. We, we, human beings, we have a tendency of judging things in segments. Where, where we were, where we are, where we think we're going to be one day. We live in segments. And we do not see the fact that all of that takes place in our life at any given time. is not determined by that particular segment. The Philippians wanted to help Paul, but they, had, they lacked the opportunity to help Paul. That's not the end of the story. As life unfolds, those Philippians now have the opportunity to help Paul. There may have been a reason why. Maybe others would step in to help where the Philippians could not help. And now they're able, so they are able to share with that. We, we draw conclusions based on our segments. And we do that with our, excuse me, with our lives sometimes. Do not determine a person's life by a particular segment. It's the totality of life. How many have begun well in serving Christ and then have quit serving Christ in the latter years? It's not how you start. It's not how you run. It's how you finish the race. It's the totality of it. You may have your ups and downs. We have those a little bit. Sometimes the ups are nice. The downs are really down and they really devastate us. But that's not the end of life. We come back up and we move on. So be careful about that. Paul, that's what Paul is saying to the Philippians here. You lack the opportunity now that you have it. Not that I speak in regard to need. For I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Tremendous statement. Here you have the Apostle Paul, able to perform miracles, being a spokesman for God, carrying forth the gospel to those who stood in need. And he's saying, I have learned to have need or to be in need. What's he saying? Life's not a bed of roses. Everything does not go your way simply because you are a child of God. Does not go your way simply because you are an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter likewise. That does not mean that you are immune to anything that takes place in this life. Paul would have to leave some of his fellow servants behind that they were point to the point of death. And other Christians were very concerned about them. That's what the scriptures are trying to help us to see 
look with the spiritual eye as opposed to looking with that physical eye that we love to make decisions about with the physical eye. And a lot of us have found out, and we know that very well, that even as we look with the physical eye, sometimes they need adjustments, do they not? And as you made those adjustments, you find out what? You get to make more adjustments along the way. We make changes all the time. Going through, you know, having the cataract surgery, you know, you, you thought you're seeing everything as it was, and then you have the surgery, and you find out, whoa, they made a lot of changes. They've added a lot of color to things. Uh, you know, you can see things you hadn't seen before. I'm just saying, we look at the physical eye, and that's not the way to be looking at spiritual matters. I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance, circumstance I am, I'm in. I know how to be abased. Again, think. Think about that. Go back to Matthew 4, 1 through 10. Read about the temptation of Jesus. Particularly the first one, if you will, up to, up to about verse 4 in, in there, 1 through 4, Matthew 4. You read about that. Jesus went out into the wilderness. If you look at the various accounts, one says he's in the wilderness for 40 days and then he was tempted by Satan. The other says he was tempted the whole 40 days he was in the wilderness. And he was hungry. He was in need. He was abased, if you will. He was in dire circumstances as we might view the matter after 40 days without food. The Son of God learned obedience to the things that he suffered. Hebrews 8, uh, 5, 8, and 9. Verses, chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He learned obedience. Key word, learned. Trial and error. Experience, going through the applications of it, making the application in our life of how it is that we need or what we, it is that we need to do within our life. I know how to be abased. I know what it's like. God's people have always had to go through those periods as you read their history. What it meant to be abased, what it meant to be in famine. And Jesus would pull some of those out of their, their history and to say... God's people did not always trust in God. And you had those that were Gentiles who had a better, a better grasp on life than did God's people. The widow that Elijah went to said, I'm making a meal for my son, for me and my son, and then we're going to die. This is it. You read about some of those in Israel in the famine. The two mothers, well, they said, well, we'll kill your son and eat him today, and tomorrow we'll kill the other son and eat him. God's people. Where's their trust? I can only see with the physical eye. History is full of that for us in the scriptures, trying to help us. What Paul is saying here, I have learned to be abased, and I've learned how to abound. Everywhere in all things I have learned both to abound and to suffer. Hear that? Suffer need. We have need and we ask, why has God forsaken us? Why has he left us? Why is he not taking care of us? Does he not understand what I'm going through? 
Job would be the classic example of that, would he not? Read the book of Job. A lot of hard reading, but you get back to chapter 38 and that answers a lot of questions. Job finally got his wish. Have you ever had that wish? Lord, I'd like to have a confrontation with you. I'd like to be in court with you. I'd like to plead my case before you. And God says, okay, here we go. I'll answer you, I'll ask you some questions and you answer me, then you can ask me some questions. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? Surely you know. Started out by, who darkens my counsel? Unlearned. Without having the knowledge. You're going to question God. See, that's what we live in a society today, do we not? We live in a society that is always questioning God. I read material and they try to explain away the scripture. I don't believe God could do that. I don't believe a God of that, of that nature would do these things. I look how horrible he was up and down the line. I want, to, I want God to meet my standards where they are currently, because I may change them tomorrow, then I would want God to meet those standards rather than my meeting God's standards that do not change in the life in which we live. So again, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's the key. All the way my Savior leads me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. He supplies the need. Do I trust him in that? I'm always wanting to get in there and get it figured out and do it myself rather than letting it work out as God would have it to. And those are part of the lessons we get to learn. It's always a learning process. You never get it all completely figured out. Outside the fact is, do you trust God with every fiber of your being? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Do you love God that much? That you have absolutely no doubt that he lives, that he loves, that he cares, that he watches over, and that he protects his people. The protection may not be as I would want it to be, but I know I believe he protects his people. Do I trust him that way? Takes the burden off your shoulders. And allows you to have joy. That Paul would have to go on and tell the Philippians, as he told them earlier, rejoice in the Lord always. <laughs> and again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known unto the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But nevertheless, you have done well that you've shared in my distress. They shared. They had that opportunity again. And Paul would have to remind them. And he has to remind us from time to time, skipping down a little bit. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. I'm not seeking the money per se or the food or whatever, clothing, whatever else, the parchments that they may have been bringing. I'm not seeking the gift itself. I'm seeking what it does for you. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
and how well we need to learn that in our life. There are those who want to give, but to those who they want to give to, you do not want to receive. I don't need any help. Really? I'll take all the help I can get. But why do we resist the compassion towards one another? Why do we resist the encouraging of one another? It's not the gift per se. That's not it. It's what it does for the individual. God gave. Jesus gave. The Spirit gives. The Word guides. It's in the giving. Why do we fight against it? And do not let God give to us all things. The good and the bad as we perceive it. But how many times has what we perceived as bad turned out to be for good? You got a problem, you get it checked out, they are able to take care of it, and then you're on your way again. Some of us are of that nature, and I won't say anybody that I know who's standing in front of you. As long as I'm standing, I'm fine. Nothing wrong with me. Doesn't matter if I creak and, and, and groan as I walk along. As long as I'm upright, I'm okay. I don't need to see a doctor. I only go see the doctor because it's on my health insurance. I can see him once a year for nothing. <clears throat> so I see him once a year for nothing. <laughs> but why do we do things like that? Particularly spiritually, why do we do that? Why do we not let? Paul is telling the Philippians, I have a love for you that's beyond comprehension. You have cared as no other church has for me. You've sent money to, uh, sent needs for my needs time and time again. I'm grateful for you. Think what it meant for a small congregation or however large the congregation was in Philippi. Think what it meant for the church in Philippi. Those that were in property. To have the Apostle Paul write them a letter and say, I thank God for every remembrance I have of you. You think that would encourage you? Think that would lift your spirits up? Man, the Apostle Paul wrote to say, I'm grateful for every act of kindness that you have shown. We give because he's first given to us. Paul says that that sacrifice of theirs was a sweet-smelling savor, acceptable sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. And I'm sure the Philippians never thought, saw it that way. They had an opportunity. They thought they could help. They were willing to help. And then to be told that what you did was a well-pleasing sacrifice to God. What we do it all for anyway, isn't it? We live, we serve, we grow, we help, all to the glory of God for what indeed He has done for us and the life that we live. I am resolved. We sing the song so many times. It's a beautiful invitation song. 
Sometimes we need to act upon what we're singing. There was a count of years ago, a story that went around. Somebody in their prayers oftentimes was talking about God removed the, the spider webs from our lives and so forth along that line. And every time he prayed, it's God removed the spider webs from our lives. And he said that one time in a prayer and somebody come, spoke up and said, kill the spider. You know, kill the spider. Quit being resolved. Do it. <laughs> Move. Do God's bidding. But if your life is not where it ought to be, you need to seriously consider it. Make that life right with God, be it to become a child of God or be it to renew that life in Christ Jesus again. If you have a need, if we can assist you, if we can help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. Charmed by the world's delight Things that are higher, things that are nobler These have a Lord my sight I will hasten to Him Hasten so glad and free sin and strive. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. I will hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. Yeah. Mm-hmm.